0: That's NOom.com to sign up for your trial today.
1: Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you guys about the MLB Roto Baller Challenge, hosted by our friends at Fantrax on Fantrax.com. Fantrax is the most customizable free fantasy baseball platform in the industry, and that's why we're hosting over our 2022 Roto Baller Challenge over on Fantrax. If you want the greatest fantasy experiments, sign up for a free Roto Baller Challenge team today by going to rotoballer.com backslash challenge. All leagues are free to join and you get to compete against Rotoballer writers and readers for a shot at $500 cash grand prize. All new Fantrax users get entered into a free giveaway to win a signed official MLB Wander Franco jersey. If you want to get entered to win a Wander Franco jersey and are new to Fantrax, go to Fantrax.com backslash Bubba and sign up for your free Fantrax account today. Once you have your Fantrax account, go to rotoballer.com backslash Challenge to join the Challenge League, but go to Fantrax.com backslash Bubba to create your Fantrax account. Be entered to win a Wander Franco autographed jersey. But for now, welcome to Benched with Bubba. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Bloom, episode four, as we keep cranking along through the beginning of this baseball and fantasy baseball season. We're going to talk some velocity changes that are for the good or the bad, potentially, Get some recent news, tons of listener questions, because you guys are awesome. But before we do that a little housekeeping, I am on Twitter at BDNTric, and my host is always on Twitter at Ryan BHQ, Ryan Bloomfield. How we doing, man?
0: I'm doing fantastic tonight, Bubba, setting my, setting my weekend lineups, chatting with you as we get ready to roll. It's a nice little nice little routine, got games on in the background, nice little routine heading into the weekend here for the next uh, 24, 25 weeks, so yep.
1: doing fantastic. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fun. It's the, the grind that is baseball season. There's always something to do every night, minus, and, uh, in addition to our other lives that we actually do live. Which is yep. always fun. So yep. it's I, like guys. I,
0: I I don't th- I know we have some some loyal listeners and and tons of questions like you said, Bob. I don't I don't know how much you all care about how how <laughs> bedtime was for our kids tonight, but that was also good. So I, I'm feeling yeah. I'm feeling like a good pod tonight.
1: Yeah, mine's back. She had like a, a week and a half to two week like up and down spell all of a sudden, but now she's back to just rock starring it. So we're good once again. And enjoy and, uh, it, it lasts yeah for those that listen to like to me and Toby it was like three weeks ago or something I literally had to put my mic on mute and go to put her to bed for like ten more minutes. Toby was solo for ten minutes it was it was amazing timing but uh, we're good now we're good for now and we're gonna talk about some recent news before we get to the velo changes and like I said is usually uh, we do listener questions at the end I'm gonna do my best to intertwine them throughout because you guys have a lot of questions that coincide with it was really ironic Ryan and I kind of were texting and then I put the tweet out and like, seconds afterwards you guys were like basically asking questions about what we were going to talk about anyway so this is perfect this is yeah. like symmetry at its finest but let's talk some news first teoster hernandez oblique injury didn't look good like he looked like he already had like an ankle or a wrist a couple days ago Then think it's this oblique injury and he had the same injury a couple of years ago the obliques are never good so zimmer's been playing in the outfield kind of in his role it kind of opens up tapia again what do you are you interested in any of these guys in fantasy or what's your plan with this toronto outfield
0: uh, not really interested. I I think we talked about Zimmer maybe a week or two ago. Um just yeah, until I see anything in the in the in the bigs from him. I, I I'm staying away. I think it's gonna be somewhat of a um a platoon. I think Kevin Biggio might might get some outfield at bats there as well with Zimmer and Tapia hitting from the left side. Um uh, if you if you're desperate for steals, I'd I'd lean Tapia over Zimmer. I think you'd get a little bit more playing time, but um, we'll see. It sounds like it's a two-week thing for Teoscar. Just a just a really crappy injury, and, and the Blue Jays' second uh, oblique injury of the week. I was reminded—I you know, was saying last week how you get reminded of all these little things. I, I was reminded of how badly the Monday IL stint sucks. Mm-hmm. I've got Dandy Chanson on a lot of teams, and Jansen, um had that IL announcement on Monday, so I'm stuck with a zero there in a bunch of leagues. But but yeah, going back to Teoscar, it sounds like he's going to be out a couple weeks. So it sounds like it could have been worse unless, um, unless Teoscar and the team is being overly optimistic. Uh, but if it is really two weeks, I think you're just looking at maybe a rental if you're desperate for, for steals with, with Tapia. And I wouldn't, I would not touch Bradley Zimmer until we see, uh, until we see anything from him in the majors.
1: It's a good thing. Justin Mason's not in the chat right now. He'd be very, very angry with the Zimmer the Zimmer disdain around here but I'm with you like I'm not Tappy is a guy I've actually rostered in recent years yep. like I, I know with regular playing time he can at least be quasi-productive in like a 15 team league Zimmer we just haven't seen it consistently maybe this will get him going who knows but regardless don't break the bank for any of them because like you said hopefully Tioscar's back in a few weeks and it won't matter anymore yep. and we'll, we'll go our or we'll go our way there and maybe hey, this is what BGO needs we'll see I'm not holding my breath for that either um detroit tigers now robbie grossman down with an injury yet again um it's got victor reyes playing the outfield he let off on wednesday hit ninth on thursday but do moved up to like sixth which is kind of promising meadows is crushing it right now so he's making me look like a fool but um are you interested in a reyes or are you just kind of hanging it out on this one and watching and what's your thoughts well We'll talk Badu later, but what's your thoughts on the situation?
0: Yeah, my, my big thing was was Badu. I was hoping to see like Badu, he kind of got pushed out of the, not leadoff role, but the the, the top of the order with Grossman and uh, Meadows, got really busy with Meadows being traded to Detroit between draft season and opening day, pretty much. So I was hoping to see Akil Badu go back up to leadoff, especially tonight there. Detroit was um, facing, leave right-hander, and yeah, yeah Badu was Frankie. like thithers- yep. and Badu was like six. So I was hoping hoping for leadoff there. Uh and instead it was Reyes. So uh Victor Reyes, like there, he I mean, if you go back to 2020, I know it was a short season, but Victor Reyes did hit two seventy seven, four homers and eight steals and two hundred at bats. Like that's a that's a pulse in in fifteen teamers and definitely an AL only league. So um it sounds like he's going to be the fill in while Grossman's out. We'll see how long that actually happens, but um, similar to what kind of what we just talked about with Tapia. And I, I'd i probably take Reyes over Tapia just because I think you'll get more consistent playing time, at least in the interim, if you're looking for a rental and Reyes can run, he's had a stolen base success percentage over 80% each of the last two seasons, which is great. So uh, Victor Reyes, again, desperate for speed. I'd rank him over Tapia if you're just looking for a rental for uh, this weekend, um, because I think he'll play regularly. And it sounds like near the top of the order uh, going forward.
1: Yeah, Ray is uh you mentioned the twenty twenty, that was pretty promising. And just like the the finish of twenty twenty one, I'll just pick August first as a basically the last two months of the season. He hit three thirty three and hundred and eleven plate appearances with you know three home runs, twelve extra base hits, stole a couple bags, and his ISO for little you wouldn't think much of him at two hundred ISO, like he was he mm-hmm. had a little bit of thump with him, he had eleven point four percent barrel and a forty one percent hard hit rate the final two months of the season. Like he wasn't a slouch out there like most people think, so I'm with you on Victor Reyes. He's he's quite intriguing in that uh, in that mix. Um, obviously, deeper leagues again. I don't think you're running out in a 12 teamer to go get him, but it, it's going to be interesting. To, I want to see, looking forward to seeing like Friday and Saturday how the lineups look. Like I said, Thursday, you had, like you have Reyes leading off, and you have Badu ninth on Thursday, and then on Wednesday on Thursday you have Reyes ninth, Bedu 6th. It's like okay, what do we get this weekend? Like let's get something consistent here. where We can kind of get a feel on. How productive Reyes can be, and Bidou's available in some leagues, so people kind of already jumped jumped the ship on him. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But I haven't heard a final like say on how long Grossman's out yet. That's still kind of I think he's still I don't even know like is he even on the IEL or is he just day to day?
0: He's not. He's quite. It sounds like he's questionable for yeah. this weekend. So it's going to be a, a kind of
1: a game time call. A so lingering we'll annoying see. thing. It'll be yeah. a Monday IEL stint. That's what'll happen. It'll it's, be like. Yeah, Monday afternoon, like four oh seven Pacific time, he'll go on the IL. I can see it now.
0: As as someone who has Grossman in a couple oh, different God. leagues, I can he, uh, I can, uh, I can see my my two Monday streak going continuing on. It, it is, I mean, honestly, for Grossman, yeah. it is like groin injuries, groin tightness, like that's not good for someone who I mean Grossman's not like super old, but he's thirty two, and a lot of his fantasy value hinges on you Running. know making a run at. 20 stolen bases like he had last year. And so groin injuries can be notorious. I mean, we're just talking about obliques. Those are probably like the worst, but especially for a base dealer, um, a groin injury like that, I, I am pretty concerned. Even if he does come back, yep. you know, the latest headline on roto is he hopes to return Friday. Um, I hope he doesn't rush and yes. not run and that sort of thing. That would be actually even worse. I'd rather have him just go on the IL, put mm-hmm. someone in next week and, and get back at it the following week.
1: Yeah, as a man where he is one of my two most rostered players in the NFPC right now, mm-hmm. I'm 100% with you. Like, go put the IL stint out. We're only in April. Like, go spend 15 days. I don't care. 20 days. Get healthy so you can run for five months. That's all I care about. Yep. So we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. Uh, Blake Snell back to the IL with the same injury that got him last year. Um, he was going to try to pitch this week. Obviously, that didn't work. So he's back to the IL. That does mean McKenzie Gore is getting the call. He was awesome in his AAA appearance. He's awesome in spring training. But now he's going to pitch Friday night, so we'll get to see what he can do against the Atlanta Braves. And then he'll be available on um, uh, FAB this week in an FBC. It'll be fun. He's going to probably have to pitch well to get a lot of money. But I think people will be aggressive on McKenzie Gore. So what's your thoughts on this whole situation?
0: Yeah, I mean, we talked about Gore, and we'll talk about velocity later on in the, in the pod. But Gore in the spring – uh, was the tower? No, it was uh, it was Mitch Keller. Mitch Keller was the top. Gore was right up there in terms of uh, fastball velocity gainers in the spring compared to 2021. So that was a really good sign. And then on top of that, um, the strikeout to walk percentage, which is one of the few things I like to look at in spring uh was off the charts as well i believe it was 16 strikeouts to one walk uh something really good like that and then in his first starting gore's first start at triple a el paso went five innings i believe struck out seven in that start so like every single thing that we see every recent data point we've had from mckenzie gore has been really good a lot of the scouting tidbits that i've that I've heard have been equally as impressive as the numbers have been. So um, it's going to be wild. if Mackenzie Gore goes out um, Friday and pitches well. Like his fab price is going to be through the roof, um, especially because I, I, he was I'm sure drafted in most leagues and then dropped when he was sent down to AAA. So um, it's going to be one of those where like, I almost hope he struggles a little yeah. bit on Friday to keep the price down. Um, because I'm I'm really believing what we're seeing from Mackenzie Gore early on. So,
1: I'm just wondering what they do though, because you know you got Darvish, Mania, Musgrove, Nick Martinez looked phenomenal his first start. Um, so when Snell comes back to the IL, do they go six man rotation? Do they move someone else around? Like, or does Gore go back down? That's the conundrum. So I don't think they want to put him in the bullpen. I think they want to keep him stretched out.
0: You don't want to mess with him. And and I, I don't know. I I tend to especially with six starters. this stuff usually works out like there's five chances for starting pitchers ahead of him to either get hurt or if Gore just comes out and and shoves like you kind of have to keep him in the rotation so um it's something to consider especially if Snell's stint I don't think we know exactly how long he's going to be out for but if it's a short stint something to consider but I, I think if Gore goes out there and does his thing um he's he's gotta stay yeah,
1: I'm with you. He has to, he's got to force the hand, basically. So we'll see how that one goes. Uh, Minnesota Twins, this one really stinks because I was hoping for good things, but I was still kind of pessimistic at times because Austin uh, Alex Kirilov, You know, he had the wrist injuries, had surgery last year. It's been a thing that's bugged him for a couple years off and on, and it's still bugging him this year. He's back to the IL with it, and he did not look good to start the season. I know it's a small sample, but just didn't look right up there um trevor larnak looks like he's gonna get the call up to potentially play there nick gordon went into the game when Kirillov left early the other day So those look like the two potential replacements for Kirillov, and i don't know how long this will be because he seems like it's a, it's messing him up pretty good so we'll have to kind of wait and see so uh any interest in Larnack or or uh gordon right now
0: not really i mean first off yeah it just really sucks for Kirillov because i mean Kirillov was one of them you can go back two years I think it was when he broke out maybe three years now at this point but Kirilov was like widely considered a top 10 prospect for fantasy um had had everything that we were looking for and then this wrist thing just will not go away um it's the same risk that he had season-ending surgery on last season and obviously something ain't ain't right and so like you just have to wonder long term for Kirillov. definitely for this year. It's like is one eye Elston gonna fix things? Um, mm-hmm. I I, I kind of highly doubt it. So um hope he hope he takes the time off, gets what gets what he needs and can come back. But um that's that's a long time to be dealing with the wrist and important development years. Um in terms of yeah, replacement like Larnack, Gordon, Larnack hasn't been that great either. He started yeah. two for 19 in AAA. And just got called up. So um, he, lesser of a prospect. I don't see it. At, at HQ, we're projecting 150 at-bats, hitting 240 with three homers. Um, really, unless you're super deep, I'm not really going after Larnack at all. So I, I'd probably just stay away from the situation and um, unless we totally see some kind of power outburst in this next week or so um, might be too late at that point, but I don't think you um, I don't think you really take a stab at, at it, there I, I just haven't seen enough um, in the majors from him.
1: Yeah. I'd probably rather take a chance actually on Gordon if you need to, if he's going to play enough, at least he'll bring you some speed, might, yep. but, but uh, we'll have to kind of wait. And again, the blessing and the curse of an injury is at least we get a few days to see what they do this weekend before Sunday comes along, try to get an idea of what these goofy coaches are up to. But in the end, it might just be a wait and see approach for next week and see what happens there. Try to get them cheap this week. Who knows? But out of like all the outflows we talked about, it seems like Victor Reyes is the one guy we actually are kind of interested in. The rest of them are just kind of stop gaps for the mention. And Victor Reyes might not even get a chance if Robbie Grossman comes back this weekend. (laughs) Assuming Grossman is actually out this weekend. Yeah. Uh, It will not even matter. Gordon's, Gordon's
0: interesting. I mean, Gordon did make, he made a really good play that kind of bailed out Chris Paddock in what could have been a terrible start against LA earlier this week. Gordon made a diving catch in left field. So maybe the glove um, keeps Gordon ahead of Larnack. but uh, but I don't know, we're projecting eight steals for Nick Gordon, which which helps in 160 at-bats. So again, if you, you know, kind of sound like a broken record, but if you need speed, maybe Gordon, but yeah, still go like Tapia and, um, and Reyes over him.
1: Uh, The last bit of news we have for now, thank goodness, is Jonathan India, right before we hit record, basically left the Reds game with an apparent hamstring injury. So keep track of that. If it's, we know hamstrings can be a couple weeks, he might be fine like Saturday. We don't know all the details, but I'm assuming he might miss most of the weekend, if not at least one game. I'm guessing the weekend. And that leaves some question marks, uh, Brandon Drury. You mentioned another wonderful name. I'll let you talk about a former Giants legend. Um, so, what are you what are you thinking about this red second base position potentially? I mean, the first thing
0: that that I do when I see someone go down is I go to HQ's depth charts and see we've got projected for second base Plan B at bats, and there he is, Donovan Solano, Giants legend, sneaky uh, just, good man. He was sitting good, there, sitting there. Uh, yeah, I believe he's down in the minor, so he'd have to get called up in order to, um, in order to play. We'll see. Uh, depends, <laughs> depends what, uh, depends what India's injury A little is, but... more
1: enthusiasm would be good there.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm a little more. Brandon Drury's another like name yeah. from the past. I mean, I was, I was a big, uh, Diamondbacks fan when I was living down in, in Arizona and Brandon Drury, he was like the, the guy he's gone three for nine with a Homer. Um, I don't know. Not nothing really interesting either way. Sorry to hit on your boy Solana. No, nah, I'm just joking. I'm, I'm 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 staying away from it.
1: He was really good versus lefties. Questionable versus yes. everybody else. Let's put it that way. Um, but all right, let's get to the meat and potatoes of this episode. We have a couple things, but the main one that a lot of people were curious about. I think it's very. It's talked about a lot right now. I think like it's a great topic to break down. And obviously, the balloon boards are money. Uh, Ryan tweeted this out uh, about three, four hours before the show, so you guys can. Look at it on the old Twitter there at Ryan BHQ, but it's velocity gainers, velocity, I guess, um, faders so yep. far this season through one or two starts, obviously early sample. Uh, before we get into the names and I'm going to go over to the listener questions, and then we, whatever we don't hit there, we'll hit ourselves type situation. What are you looking for right now? Obviously, you know, increased is good. Decreased is kind of concerning to dig in more, but like one starts, one start. When does it really set in to be a problem to you?
0: Yeah, and this is like the, this is the trouble with just, we're so itching to analyze every single thing. Uh, we're all excited. It's week one. We want to overreact to everything. Um, I do think velocity, anything at like a per pitch level is, is something that we can at least look at. But you need to look at this stuff with context, especially early in the season. Like a lot of these games, I think I've mentioned this before, but a lot of these games, I mean, the weather, especially like in the Midwest, has been terrible uh, this first week. And so a lot of these games we talked about, yeah, with Shane Bieber last week, like his, his opening day start um, was just horrible weather. And yeah, his velocity was down His velocity was down the second time. We'll probably get to him. Uh, but you want to look at these numbers because I, it I mean, a, a drop in velocity, I, I'm even more interested in than a rise. And I'll get to that in a second, but a drop in velocity can just, I mean, the, the possibility for injury, with a drop in velocity, oftentimes that's one of the first leading indicators for something deeper that's wrong. So the guys who have lost velocity, especially when you look at the context of did he pitch in uh, 30 degree weather or was it out in LA, uh, that kind of thing. If it passes that kind of context test, um, there are some guys on this list that I tweeted out that, that I'm really concerned about. The fastball velocity risers um, is important. I, I do wonder, and some of these guys, we'll talk. I, the one thing I wonder about is how long they can keep that up, um, especially early in the season, especially this season, early in the season with the with the short spring ramp up time. These guys are only going maybe four or five innings, and and you know maybe adrenaline adrenaline's going, they're they're going all out in the, in that short stint, and their velocity's up. How long can they actually hold that into the season? I don't know. Uh, some of these games might be legit. It might be a uh, Lucas Giolito from a few years ago. Um, so you definitely something to to kind of wrap this all up. It's definitely something you want to look at. It's something you want to take a deeper dive. It should be that start of a deeper dive though. Start with this list of velocity gainers and faders and start to look at, you know, what types of games did they pitch in? Did they show this t- kind of velocity in spring training, maybe in the second half of last season? Um, did they go to drive line in the off season? Just things like that, yeah. that you can kind of take a further dive and then really, Highlight these guys because if you do find the right ones to either fade or or push, uh, this is the time of year where you get that full uh, full credit for 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 mining that talent and getting a full season out of them. So, um, gonna be important to to pick the right guys here.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm with you there because like if I see my pitcher got shelled, like the first thing I do is go and look at their stat Statcast page and go, okay, what was wrong? Mm-hmm. Like like at least velocity wise, that stands out real easily. Like you see the arrow up, the arrow down, done. Yep don't have a whole lot to worry about there, and then they'll show you the hard-hit race. will show you all the good stuff if you want to go deeper. the Velocity was the same. You're just kind of like, hmm, well, maybe he's tipping pitches. Maybe he's had a bad day. I don't know, but you're not as concerned type thing. Like, I haven't looked yet, but Shohei gave up six runs today day in three and two-thirds. I'm curious, I'll be honest, like what just happened there to Texas, but um, we'll have to kind of see how that all plays out. But that was kind of – Mike Kerlin had that question, uh, and you you just answered it there, like with the Velocity talk and having a short-stream training, cold weather, et cetera. Um, do you have some concerns? Like when would you start to – uh, really believe in the increase in the dip and then you kind of already hit on that right there so curlin your question has been answered curlin um, first always yes. right curlin, curlin hit the number right there i'm just kind of scrolling through trying to figure it out here but let's start with uh caleb uh, I'm gonna say Benoit um do we yeah. disregard Kopech do we disregard Kopech because he was operating as a relief pitcher last year because on the um the fallers he was 97-3 last year, 95-3. I think that's a great point because there's Jorge Lopez on the other side of the spectrum as one of the biggest gainers. And we've talked about that time and time again. When a pitcher can go out and throw one inning, he can just ramp up and let it go. When he's got to throw five, 600 pitches, whatever, you got to kind of pace yourself unless you're Justin Verlander. So I think I'm good with that, but how do you look at Kopech?
0: yeah it's a great question by caleb who is uh i will say like the coffee the twitter coffee man if you if you follow him on twitter at caleb benoit um he's the founder of connect roasters and does some stuff with ian hap uh, which is really cool so caleb's gonna have to follow him this is now you do English. now like, you do I'm a coffee um, i'm a coffee
1: fan so i we just
0: go. i don't i yeah i just call him the coffee guy because that's his 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 header on the on his twitter is coffee beans and it's fun stuff um so to get to his question, that is one of so when I was saying these boards are the start and not the end of a deeper dive, that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about too is the, the relief versus starter. And, it, and Bubba, like you said, it works both ways. Um, you kind of expect a pitcher when they go to the bullpen to maybe drop a pitch, focus on going all out with their fastball and maybe throw one secondary. Whereas when they go from where Kopech was last year to a starting role, They're focusing a little bit more on getting at least two times through the order, maybe working on a third pitch um, to be able to get that far and then just saving themselves for that second time through the order, maybe even third with uh, with the lower velocity. So Michael Kopech going down from 97.3 last year to 95.3. It's enough for it that he bubbles up on this board, but it's not something I'm concerned about at all. If Kopech can throw 95.3 with the fastball and have the secondaries that he has, he's going to be just fine. So that is one on the, on, the, on the dropper list that really I'm not concerned about at all. Honestly, it's probably a good thing because maybe that means he'll pitch deeper into the season Bingo. than originally thought.
1: Yeah, 100% agree with that. Uh, Ms. D here, Ms. Daniel Salinger. She's married to one Justin Mason, or he's lucky to be married to her. Let's put it that oh, way. Yes. Uh, let, me re- let me rephrase that real quick. Um, she's got four names for us. So we'll talk about the two risers first, two just absolutely amazing Cy Young candidate pitchers. Uh, Carlos Rodon, who we saw, just, he's filthy. And when you guys listen to this, he's going to pitch on Friday. Maybe it'll be after his start. Hopefully this stays the same. Um Rodon up to uh ninety seven four after ninety five four last year, and he was great last year, so he got that bump and then he got alex Cobb went from ninety two seven to ninety four five he's hit ninety five which he's like never done in his career pretty much and I watched a lot of that game and he made it look easy actually like it was kind of effortless it felt like so obviously some things mechanic wise and just what he was doing changed, and he did it all spring. he pulled it off in that game, so Cobb and Rodon. What's your thoughts on them? Because Rodon, I'm always still back in my mind. Like, I'm scared for that one throw where just like, ah, oh, I got to go out. Like, that scares me every time. Cobb, I'm feeling pretty good about. Maybe I shouldn't, but I like it a lot.
0: Yeah, it's – um, it, Alex Cobb has started a bunch of games in his career, and I believe his – highest fastball velocity in any of those starts was like mid 90 maybe 93 and some change and then he goes out there and we see Alex Cobb throw 94.5 in his first start so like that's something where and Cobb is one of those guys he's been around I know there's there's injury risk with him and with Rodon and I and I I think Danielle just baited us into wanting to talk about how good the Giants are and if we get to Urias how bad the dodgers might be but i'll i'll take the bait because um those were two impressive outings for modan and cobb uh cobb specifically like um yeah that type of that type of increase with the splitter that he has is something that's that's really sexy san francisco knows what they are doing man yeah. uh with their, their starting pitchers Uh, So far this season, twenty-seven percent strikeout minus walk rate. That's second best in the majors behind the Mets, which is basically just Tyler McGill. Tyler McGill, sorry, the Um, Tiger. That 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 that, yeah, exactly. That is leading that charge. But twenty-seven percent strikeout minus walk for the Giants starters as a whole. One fifty-four WHIP, two twenty x fit. That's uh, pretty good. That's crazy. So. it yeah. kind of makes sense to buy into that appeal to authority and get those giants guys. Cause they, something's in the water. They know what they're doing.
1: Cobb, Cobb, his start reminded me a lot of when Gossman first came over where mm-hmm. I was kind of like skeptical, big splitter guy, you know, all this stuff. And there's a lot of similarities there and I'm hoping the results for the whole season stay the same. We will wait and see, but she had two fallers as well. Faders, uh, Julio Urias, who was in Colorado a little chilly, a little chilly. We'll see. Um, he was ninety four one last year, down to ninety one four. That's a pretty good, pretty good drop off. And then you had um Presley, who all off season, you know, his velocity was down. People like, I oh, don't know, that's just what Presley does. We remember the year before, he was in the backfields the whole time. We never uh, thought anything of it, but he was uh sitting ninety five four last season, ninety two seven. I believe he didn't even get the save his last outing. He got pulled uh ahead of that so maybe there's a slight concern there with Presley we'll wait and see like they gave him that extension so I'm like you think he's okay but you never know I will say Urias I was terrified all season just cuz the increased workload last year like that was a massive jump from previous seasons could he be okay sure could it be cold weather sure could be a slow ramp up sure like but I was seriously concerned about that gigantic a guy with bad injury history in the past getting that kind of workload increase Concerned me a bit. So what's your thoughts on Presley and Urias? Oh,
0: well, and that's the thing with Urias. Like and the, and the injury was a shoulder. I mean, it was shoulder surgery, like pretty, pretty wasn't drastic. It the thoracic, wasn't
1: it the thoracic thing or was it something different? I think it was something
0: different. Okay. Um, it was just as serious though um it was it was pretty legit surgery like urias did not throw more than 80 innings in the majors at all in any season until last year with 186 i don't think that was being talked about enough uh from just an injury risk standpoint uh, where he was being drafted in pretty much a second round of main events by the time draft season was done so yeah like the drop in fastball velocity uh, for Urias from 94.1 to 91.4 is, is huge. He only had, let's see, in his first start, he only had four swinging strikes on 57 pitches. He's not a big strikeout guy anyway. And he, I, I had Urius's box in the, in the forecaster and that concerned me like the second half last season, Urias really wasn't as, as good as he was in the first half and kind of got lucky. And that's why the surface stats were there. So, um, Really concerned for Julio Urias. I mean, if you drafted him, you you're holding him. Of course, you're you're waiting this out. Maybe it was just kind of a cold weather thing in Colorado, and he'll turn around and be throwing 93 next start. Like that's your that's your best case scenario. scenario. That's what you're hoping for. But uh, really concerned with Julio Urias. You don't want to read too much into one start, but that's about as bad as it could get in one start. And then Presley, like, yeah, um, the extension's a really good point, Bubba, because, like, I do, again, appeal to authority, but, like, they Houston gave Verlander a huge extension, showing them that they're confident in his, I guess it wasn't an extension, but it was just a two-year deal, confident in his rehab, and then they did the same thing with Presley. Like, I thought, you know, did not think too much of the uh, velocity drop in the spring, especially with what we saw last year, just kind of like a cranky type of spring training. But then, yeah, it's a little bit late to still be ramping up, and it did cost Presley on Wednesday. He took the loss in a blown save. So he, Presley has p- plenty of leash, but not if he keeps uh, doing what he did this week. So it's something to keep an eye on. I'm definitely keeping tabs on Hector Neris, who I think is around 50% owned in uh, main event leagues. And then obviously lower ownership in uh, in twelve. So
1: yeah, and um, I saw him actually dropped in some leagues this past week. Yeah. So that's a that's a fun spec maybe for a question later in the podcast potentially. Someone to look at, but um, the I had to look it up because I was really curious. So the Urias injury was a shoulder, but it was anterior capsule surgery. That the same injury that ended Johan Santana's career. Only Chris right. Young. Only Chris Young ever came back from it. And let's be honest not the most dominating returns so. let's be honest. did chris young really come back exactly <laughs> did he really come back so yeah it was a pretty severe thing and you know? i think mean, he's young so rooting for the best but i'm i think he i think he does face the reds this weekend so we'll have to wait and see how urias does uh matt make my son asks tucker davidson please uh tucker was 93 last year 94 9 in his first start i will say he's already back in triple a just keep that in mind he's not even up that if, if with Tucker, it felt like one of those like, okay, kid, give us three to four innings if you can, like just give us three or four and we'll move on. Could be wrong, but he's felt like more of a long man slash bullpen guy, so he might have been letting loose. I don't know. I didn't watch a ton of it though, but I know that's kind of how his the game plan was for him. What was your thoughts on Tucker Davidson?
0: Yeah, I kind of flew under my radar just because at HQ we didn't we didn't really Chris Bussing's our Atlanta. Uh, expert for for prospects and he had uh Tucker Davidson HQ folks will know what this means, but a seven C prospect rating, which is very mediocre for for Tucker Davidson from a fantasy standpoint. The current role that we had set up for him was like a swing man and a potential role down the down the roll down the road. Uh blessing sees Tucker Davidson as a as a setup man long term. So you don't really want to see that even in um, uh, even with the increased velocity. I mean, Davidson did do pretty well this spring. He had eight strikeouts, no walks and in five innings. Um, but I just I I don't Think you're really that interested in him That maybe he'll stick as like a number four number five starter uh, but like you said he's already backed out in the minors. so um, one of those guys were like yeah it's nice to see but there's not enough at least from from our prospect reports there's not enough in the arsenal and the repertoire that uh, he could stick in the rotation and be effective this year so sorry to uh sorry to matt and tucker davidson and maybe tucker's family <laughs> kind of harsh but
1: if you're listening to show, tucker's family or Tucker davidson if you listen to the show you're more than welcome to come rebuttal live knock yourselves out we'll have you here um edward j gillis really good uh fantasy NFC player has a, a couple here for us and uh on the green board the risers the biggest surprise was jorge lopez throwing 98 uh after 95-3 last year and he has a chance to close in baltimore um do you think like pretty much you in agreement he's throwing hard cause he is closing in Baltimore.
0: Yeah. He's throwing hard cause he's closing in Baltimore, but he's also, I'm not sure if Lopez knows where it's going. He's got four walks to just two strikeouts. Um, so if you're going to increase your velocity, but then have control problems, that's not great as a reliever, especially on the Orioles where you're not going to get many chances. So, um, if Jorge Lopez is still around like and 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 fab bidding gets gets aggressive on him because folks are so desperate for saves, this is not somebody who i'm who I'm targeting. I just don't see enough skill to be able to even you know hold the job, but then also he's got some potential to really kind of kind of wreck your ratios if it doesn't work out and the other thing again, super small samples, but this is where we're at only four swing or sorry five swinging strikes mm-hmm. um this season on looks like maybe 70 or 80 pitches. So that's not that great either with the increased velocity. So increased velocity is not everything. You still need to have uh, some other skills to accompany it, which is when I get excited. And I'm not, not seeing that with, with Jorge here.
1: I think I know your answer to this, but I'm just going to ask it because you said uh, a guy that can ruin your ratios as he closes. Another guy that has the effect on ratios from time to time, would you rather Jorge Lopez or Daniel Bard?
0: Um, I'll go, I'll go Daniel Bard. I'll go Daniel Bard. Daniel Bard has at least shown that he can be successful in cores. Um, I'm holding my nose at both of them, but I also think Colorado could get some more chances. Um, so yeah, I'd go Bard. I just think he's a little bit better. I mean, we have that, we have that 2020 sample. He was uh, 365 ERA with, um, Six saves and twenty-five innings. Like I know, I'm grasping at straws here, but that was a really good comeback story. The swing strikes are there. Mm-hmm. Like there's just a lot more with Daniel Bard than there is Jorge Lopez. If you're in that, uh, if you're in that closer bargain bin,
1: definitely agree with you on that one. Uh, his other question on the re- he said on the red chart, he mentioned Julio Urias, who we mm-hmm. talked about already, but he also mentioned that uh, Cy Young Ray is down a little himself. Uh, Robbie Ray, ninety-four eight last year that was a big thing for him. The velo increase. Down to 91.9 nine. And this last start against the White Sox, they pummeled him with that down velocity. And he's one of those guys we talk about with many of these guys. It's like, okay, if they sit ninety two, he's in trouble. Like even ninety-three hot ninety-three and a half, ninety-four, we're good. It's just that little bit of difference makes all the difference. And that almost three to three mile an hour drop, it got him crushed by the White Sox. How concerned are you with Robbie Ray? I
0: want to see one more start. I want to see one more start before I'm like really concerned because the first two Robbie Ray starts were at Minnesota at Chicago. And I know, yeah, the the Chicago start was, I don't, I'm not sure why they were even playing that game. That was a, that was some brutal, uh, brutal weather. So he's Robbie Ray has had like really bad luck climate wise in his first two starts, like extreme weather in the, in the first start, he had 14 whiffs on 96 pitches. Like, you know, that that's good. Um, so yeah, I want to see one more um one more data point at home in Seattle and see what see what Ray tops out as. The thing that I mean that more so more than the velocity going down, the thing that I'm concerned about is like the walks are back. Four walks in his first start, two walks in his second start. Like Robbie Ray, we forget, but Robbie Ray had the worst walk rate of any starting pitcher in baseball in 2020. And then he wins a Cy Young. Um, he owns that 2020 skill, not maybe as much as the as the Cy Young season just because it was 2020 60-game 20, season. But um, if that wildness starts to creep back into the profile, I'm, I'm going to be really concerned over Robbie Ray uh, going forward, even if the velocity comes back in his next couple starts.
1: That's a great point. And Michael Simeon, the SP streamer, he tweeted out a fun one today. K to walk percentage leaders uh, with pitchers who have started two games so far. And you know, like Tyler Miguel, Shane McClanahan. Then he put two notable guys. Udarvish Darvish minus 2.7% and Robbie Ray minus 5.4%. So that's what you're saying. Those walks just through the roof with Mr. Ray. And that's a, a big, big conundrum to deal with right there. Um, Conceptual Alex at ATINBC asks, should we be worried about Wheeler? Only first start back after shortened spring, but shoulder issues and lower velo. 97.2 uh, last year, 95 in his first start. Uh, similar to Ray, I-, I need to see one more because I am concerned, like, the shoulder issues are already going to kind of decrease things. That's kind of how it works. But the fact he got the late ramp up, you know, he only threw X amount of pitches. I want to see, like, one more, at least, from Wheeler before I get really concerned. But let's just say I'm not overly happy with it either.
0: Yeah, I I, I think you hold. I, th- I mean, well, you have to hold. But I, I'd like to see a couple more starts. And not even more. I mean, not just one. I, I'd like to see a couple. Just because Wheeler was so delayed ramping up. If If the velocity does stick around 95 like that's that's not good that's where that's where wheeler was back in like 2017 2018 when he was coming back from tommy john surgery and was not that great of a pitcher wheeler became elite once the fastball got up to 97 so i I, with wheeler there is a definite difference between like 94 95 Mm -hmm. and 97 and there are some pitchers who can get by and maybe like and I'm kind of going all over the place, but like maybe Shane Bieber can get by with 90 mile an hour uh, fastballs because his slider is so good, his curve, uh, th- those types of things. So he can get by with other pitches. Wheeler's very reliant on that fastball velocity. I, I truly feel that's what really vaulted him to his draft price. So um, it's going to be really important. I, I, I'm not ready to, to hit the panic, but just because I still think he's ramping up. I think if if this goes into May and it's still at 95, I'll, I'll be concerned. But um, not not that not that panicked at this point. Let's 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 give him some let's give him some some more starts to to get going.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. Like, yeah, I want to see a little more with him. Like, let's give him the proper spring training before we yep. really lose it with with Wheeler. Because even his bullpen when was still spring looked pretty good. So I think he's just I'm being optimistic here that he's still kind of getting it going. So we'll wait and see on that one. Uh, Bojang Bugami has a a great question. Uh, First off, great board as usual. Uh, Do we have a sense of how often these week one VLO changes in both directions hold as we get deeper into the season?
0: Yeah, this was really good. And I I responded and I was like, yeah, I'll try and run some numbers if I can do it before showtime. And of course life happens, got in the way, Uh, but it's a really good point. I'd like to, so one thing I, I was able to run and this was interesting. I did look at at least for last year, Um, the average fastball velocity by week through the season, um, this includes everybody. So this is all starters, all relievers, you know, whatever. First week of the season, average fastball velocity was 93.6. It never got above 93.9. The last week I'm lying. The last week of the season, the MLB average fastball velocity crept up to 94. I was, I was pretty shocked at how, um, how stable the velocity was, uh, throughout the season. Um, so that doesn't really get into like his question about specific guys and guys who had major rises and major fades, how that, you know, kind of played out during the season. Um, it's a really good question that I think I, I should look into more as I have more time. Um, but it was interesting to kind of see the the velocity by week stay stay pretty consistent throughout the season. So there wasn't much of a of a ramp up during the during the warmer months, which kind of surprised me.
1: That is a bit surprising because we've kind of always well not always we we've, we've thought especially with certain pitchers like you, you mentioned we've talked about even with like Bieber and Ray like bad conditions you're expecting Vila to be down you, you figured it would get better as the season goes on, but I guess um, not for everybody. So that's interesting to check out. Before we get to some more pitchers here, I I want to let everybody know, Brandon Jury just went deep to tie the game up at three. That's his second home <laughs> run of the season, so <laughs> that might make things even more fun this week. And just want to throw that one out
0: there. Solano, Solano stays. staying Solano in AAA, kids, wherever
1: they're at. Was it Louisville or Indianapolis or something with those guys? So have some fun, kids. Um, let's talk about some more names here because the other listener questions we have is for like our panic mode section of the pod. But I wanted to. Hit on some of these risers that are very intriguing. First off, Shohei Otani, he was up 2.2, up to eight. And I did pull up his StatCast page right now, and his Velo was almost up two miles an hour. Slider is up three. All his Velos were fine. Like his Velos were all up. He just got hit around. Like he had a 30% CSW tonight. Like, not crazy he just got hit around
0: bad timing too, Jonah I mean it was a grand slam that, that that's true did a lot of the damage
1: Heim. just Jonah yeah. Heim, Jonah Heim yeah. of all people went deep One and, pitch. and if you I didn't realize who hit it at first but somehow someone retweeted Jonah Heim's brother on Twitter and it was something like take that how's that feel or something like that like it was pretty good was there's like, something
0: oh. yeah there is something I have seen stuff with like the Heim family I thought his yes. dad maybe his too, dad
1: gets and, very active as well yeah that's, that's
0: right 100 yeah. percent it's, it's nice to stuff. see them uh,
1: uh, celebrate that one. It's good. yeah, like for that. sure. So Shohei looks fine. I think we're all kind of good on Shohei and uh, and rocking that one. But a few I want to ask you about, and I might as well pick this one up while we're talking, because Luis Severino, we know he's coming back from injury. He pitched a few innings last year to kind of get ready for this year. Uh, over spring training, he looked pretty good as he was ramping up. In his first start, he went from 95.4 in 2021 to 97.8. And in his start tonight against the, the Jays, his fastball was still up 1.3 miles an hour. He's at one for the season now. Um, he was averaging 97.4 again. So changeup was up, slider is up. So Severino's looking pretty good, Ryan. Are you kind of buying back in? Like, I'm still hesitant on his total workload for the season. But if you can still maybe get like 120 or so uh, Severino innings, that could be interesting if this Velo kind of stays going
0: yeah, that's exactly it. like and that and that concern about Severino's kind of year long workload that's that's not gonna go away no matter how great he pitches on a game to game basis. um, but yeah, like impressive as heck, especially tonight to do that against. Toronto to strike out Vlad jr. We were talking before the show, how Vlad can go four for four on Wednesday night with three bombs and then get the golden sombrero on Thursday night. Severino got him three times and it's not with Severino. And I, I mentioned this with Wheeler, but like it's not just the fastball velocity. Um, but which is good. But he had six whiffs on six whiffs on on twenty five changeup, so he's getting that separation between the fastball and the changeup, and hitters are biting on that. And then five whiffs on a on a cutter as well. So fifteen whiffs on eighty three pitches against Toronto is about as good as you can get. So, um, yeah, really impressive stuff from Luis Severino. Like on a per game basis, it looks like he's the Severino of old, honestly. Um, but that concern of you know what are we going to get when it's August, when it's September. That, uh, you know, it'll be a nice problem for fantasy managers and the Yankees to have because that means he'll still be he'll be shoving by the second half of the season. But uh, I just I can't see how he's going to kind of keep this workload all year long. But um, maybe maybe if you're if you're in a trade league and this is probably a little obvious, but Severino's doing his thing through June. um, He would be like a prime all star break trade candidate for me just because I don't know how far he's going to go. So high.
1: Yeah um there's some other names here you have mitch keller who is up three mile or two and a half miles an hour in his first start i believe he pitches friday or saturday this weekend so we'll get a second look at mitch like it was a rocky overall appearance we saw some good we saw some bad but the velo was still there so that's kind of a positive positive in what we saw all spring so i'm willing to kind of sit back and watch a little longer what are you thinking on mitch
0: yeah, same. Um, you know, gave up gave up one home run at four strikeouts and four innings, nine whiffs and 70, 70 pitches. But yeah, most importantly, like you said, the, the velocity was there. So uh, wait it out a little bit. Let's see what the next start holds for Mr. Keller.
1: Uh, the next guy we're going to talk about, uh, Siler McGill, Ty Goat, Ty Godd um I've heard baby how many goat, other ones everything. um uh, baby goat baby DeGrom a couple questions we have like Brock Ness Monster said how did the Mets replace DeGrom with DeGrom um Matt Williams said who would be the pitcher draft uh, first pitcher draft today and why is it Tyler McGill um the Velo looks great the dude just looks amazing he's fun to watch he pitches great do you think he can do it all season that's the fun part
0: I mean, I think he can. He had, yeah, I think, 100, filthy. 130. I mean, so to pivot from like Severino, who we just have no data points on the last couple of years. I mean, McGill did throw like 130 innings last season between the majors and the minors. So if that bumps up even just a little bit, he gets to 160, 170. Like that's in, in today's game, um, that's, you know, 90. 90th percentile of starting pitchers that's really good the the question that i would like and so i mean it's yeah obviously everything that mcgill's doing from the increase in velocity the changeups nasty like everything looks great it's just fascinating to see like where he would go in um in drafts right now like i was thinking about that today like mcgill in the main event was his adp was 229 going around Huascarinoa, anthony disclafani how high do you think he would go right now after these two starts
1: it's gotta be like a top 100 pick don't you think i think
0: yeah i mean i think
1: i know that might sound silly like or too easy i might be being lazy like i don't think he's a top fit like he's not like a first four rounder but he's easily like around six ish maybe
0: would you go so main events jose barrios was 71 you darvish was 76 that's a good range i think that's a
1: fair fair range for now
0: would you take mcgill over those two guys right now it's a tough question
1: Probably, but that—that's the whole bad thing. Like, you do, don't buy into the hype so much, but he's looked that good too. Where really it's got. one of those like, and we kind of we had this hope for him when he came up last year because we saw it in the minors, but he kind of had that learning curve where the consistency in the zone, he gave up too many home runs, but now he's like he does look like Degrom the way he's got the fastball movement and the slide piece like just it's 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 nasty. It's it's really really good stuff. So. Yeah, that's a great one. I think the Barrios combo is pretty interesting, especially because of how Barrios – even pitched better in his second start. Don't get he me did. wrong. He did. Yep. But um, that's an interesting one. That's a really good one. I think it's a fair range for now. Like if he throws one more good start, now you're jumping him up another couple of rounds. What will be fun is if he kind of keeps doing this, he'll have a couple of hiccups or whatever, but pitches overall really well for those like May or the, um was it late, not Labor Day, Memorial Day redrafts or whatever, yeah. yep. that'll be fun. Yep. That'll be fun to see where he goes.
0: Yes, he's he would it. be, if he keeps us going, that, that ADP, I could see him being, I mean, at that point in the season, if he's still doing, he's he's not going to do this for, for very long, but if he's still an ace. He's probably going to go like second, third round in those leagues. I wouldn't be surprised at all, but we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. If you drafted McGill, um, pat yourself on the back, do your little victory lap because it came late and you're already getting some really good returns on it. And like I said, like it looks like this is going to going to hold for quite a bit. So enjoy the uh, enjoy the find.
1: I think my only two shares from our last two OCs, the Saturday night before the season and the Wednesday night before the season, I got them both like around like nice. 22 or 23. And I'm like, all right, let's dance. But uh, I wish I had more, let's put it that way. A um, couple more here, like uh, Jesus Lazardo we saw how filthy he was between the fastball increasing the 97.6, the curveball usage and just swinging strike on the curveball was awesome. Uh, and then you got Eric Lauer with the increase VLO. He kind of got hit around a little bit, but the VLO increase was good to see. Kitty uh, any thoughts on uh, these starters that we're seeing right now
0: I think Lazardo is the one who's getting all the pub I know uh, I know like Eric Cross was really big on Jesus Lazardo entering entering the season when when Eric says that kind of stuff I listen for sure um that the interesting thing with Lazardo is is the yeah like you said the curveball usage 50% curveballs in his first in his first start. So, yeah, he did have the fastball bump, but he only threw 24 fastballs. He only the 31% of his of his pitches. Um so it'll be interesting to see I think this is just as much of a pitch mix thing yeah, as it is for team. And again, since it's just one start, maybe Miami saw in that first game like you need to throw curveballs against against uh against That's that good. team and and maybe that was just the approach that game and then his next start, he'll go back to the the four seam a little bit more, and 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 we'll see what happens. I don't I don't think he can throw fifty percent curveballs all season. I think the league's going to adapt to that. But um, but really interesting. And and obviously with uh, Lazardo, you've got the pedigree, right? Like this time last year, he was a top eighty pick in main events. I mean, he fell flat on his face, but there was a reason for that. So
1: yeah, I was proud of my McGill shares. I have zero Lazardo, so that one stings. But the yeah. one thing I'm curious of, you mentioned the 52% curveball. Um, that's one of those pitches. There's are certain outings you're just not going to have a feel for it. So now how good is the fastball going to be? And yeah. that's when it's going to get fun with with the, seeing this change. So I am very, very curious about that. And we, we don't have him on this list. We don't have to talk about him. But I'm curious to see the third start for Kyle Hendricks because you're talking pitch mixes. Maybe it's a team philosophy, that first start. Heavy, heavy changeup. Change phenomenal. Second start, very little changeups, got shelled. So I'm really curious on how the third start for Hendricks goes. That's again, it's not always the reason I bring that up because you brought it up with Lizardo. Is it's not always about the fastball. Like this is a great indicator on something that's probably a plus, but sometimes it's the overall pitch mix and how they're using it Mm -hmm. to make it really work. So many of the tools we can use to kind of analyze things as well.
0: Exactly. You've got to have the other tools. And then I mentioned that with like Severino, Mm -hmm. I was just as impressed with the changeup because that obviously tunnels and plays off the fastball. And if you've got that separation between the two, um, it makes their other pitches that much better. So
1: a couple other faders, and then we'll go to uh, some of these hitters we're talking about here, but Chris Paddock was down almost three miles an hour. I wasn't really optimistic on paddock again, cold weather first start in a while. We'll see we um, got Barlow out of the bullpen, which is kind of interesting for Kansas City, dropping over two miles an hour. Um, and then Shane Bieber, I guess the one we really need to at least hit on, 92-8 last season, 90.8 this season. He had a great, like, I think he had a no-no going for a while against mm-hmm. Cincinnati his last time out, then it unraveled, uh, got hit around the first time out. How concerned are you with Shane Bieber?
0: I'm concerned that he's not going to return anywhere near second round value. Um, I think, I think Shane Bieber, which is where Bieber was being drafted. I think Shane Bieber can get by with diminished fastball velocity. I kind of mentioned that earlier. So I I, I think from an actual, like per game standpoint, I think he can be like a solid SP two. It's not what you drafted him for, but but that's okay. It's not a, not a disaster. The, the thing where I really get worried about Bieber is not just the fastball velocity drop, but that velocity drop on top of missing a hundred days last year on the aisle with the shoulder, yeah. like that if if he didn't have the shoulder thing and he's just getting older and the velocity's down, like I'm okay with that. Kind of like Zach Greinke path to uh, being, being sufficient. Uh, but then you you throw the shoulder injury on top of that and all the missed time last season. Um, I'm concerned that he's you know something's still not right there. Uh, we'll see. Um, cold weather and that sort of thing has played a factor in Bieber's two starts, but that that is something that worries me. Even if even if Bieber can get by with some with some pretty sick secondary pitches, um, I just wonder if that drop in velocity just means it, you know something's wrong with the shoulder still.
1: Yeah, what I'm expecting from Bieber this year is a 2021 Luis Castillo-type season. Hmm. That's I think there's a lot of similarities, like the end-of-season numbers. Maybe not as rough out the gate, but maybe. But I think, like you said, he can figure it out and be like successful at this, but just not the ace he drafted. And by the, the end of draft season last year, Castillo was a 2-3 guy. So Bieber's going probably a little earlier, but I could see a lot of similarities and, and I two.
0: and I bet you Luis Castillo is watching all these snow games in the in the middle of the season, just just laughing because we. In I mean, his he apartment was the thing. with the heater on, exactly. Just, life. just waiting, waiting until May when the, when the sun comes out and he can dominate. He's uh, in Florida
1: is, throwing bullpens and rehab. Going, this is good.
0: He he picked a good year to miss April. We'll just yeah. say that
1: beautiful thing. But we'll we'll keep monitoring the the fastball velocities and all that fun stuff because. What else are we going to do on Twitter, everybody? So that'll be uh, to be good to see where things continue to go as the season goes on. Let's talk about some hitters with some hot starts, slow starts. There's tons of them. Like I've written a, you know, buy high, sell low stuff, our stock rising and falling articles. Everyone's writing stuff um, throughout this early part of the season. We probably will for the next few weeks. That's just the way it's going to go. But um, you got a couple on here. I got one that really stands out to me, but we'll hit your first one here. I think your second one's actually a part of a listener question. But uh, Julio Rodriguez. Is one that you are, uh, I guess, concerned with for his slow start, or maybe you're not. So, what's your thoughts there?
0: Yeah, it's just yeah, the helium that Julio had with that just crazy spring, and he went in the early fourth round of my main. Fifty-two um, percent strikeout rate through nineteen plate appearances, like that that's Bellinger-esque in terms of spring training. I I know there has been some stuff out there on on Twitter that I've seen where Julio has kind of gotten screwed a couple of times on called strikes. Um, One happened today on a pitch that was probably a ball and got got rung up anyway. So there is some of that going on, and that stuff does matter in like a 19 plate appearance sample. But still, to be striking out more than uh, 50% of the time on a team, on a Seattle team, that I think thinks they can contend this year, um, we could see kind of like a Kelnik type of path that we saw last year and have him have him go back down at this sticks. I mean
1: to the be good fair Kellnik's on a Kellnik type path again right now.
0: I know he did he did Homer and get a steal today, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it's it's almost as bad uh, for his um his brethren in, in, in Kellnik. I mean no, the one good thing I'll say with Julio is he is running and man he can fly. Had an infield yep. single today, like when he did make contact and then he stole his second base. Uh, today as well so he is running when he does get on and that is a good thing in terms of if this is just a slump and he's not totally overmatched in the majors and that sort of thing uh, the bags will be there but um, it's getting time where we need to see a little bit more bat on ball from Julio Rodriguez uh, starting to get concerned about him and what we've seen so far
1: yeah I'm with you on Julio my guy's Joe Adele I have a lot of Joe Adele I was very optimistic on Joe Adele and it started out uh, pretty rough. He had a, a nice game a couple of games ago, two for four with a home run and a double. Didn't start tonight, but came in one for two with a double. Probably starts on Friday night against the lefty Allard. But I guess the big concern I have is he's platooning. That's less than ideal. That's not what we were planning for there. And he's looked kind of lost at the play, at least early on. Like his last couple of games have looked a lot better. He's kind of looking better, but the breaking balls are crushing him. And it's documented, it's in every beat reporter article you read right now. So obviously the teams know this. And it's literally gonna be one of those things you hear all the guys say it when a young kid, it's okay, can you hit the fastball? Okay, you can hit the fastball. Well now I'll try to hit this. And um, like um they say on bull Bulldorms, so what's the show like? Well, you you uh, see pictures with ungodly breaking balls. Um, there's much more to that speech, but we're gonna leave it at that. And um and that's what Adele's dealing with right now, ungodly breaking balls, and he's trying to figure it out. So Hopefully he figures it out because the talent's legit. But Joe Madden's already kind of shown he's willing to platoon him, which means your next steps Triple A. And, and that's the that's thing, like yeah. It.
0: Like that's, I mean, and just as a general takeaway, not just Adele, but like once it starts costing you playing time, that's that's when I get nervous. I mean, Adele has done himself no favors in left field either. Uh, yeah, defense has been him. rough. 100%. Yeah, it's, it's been bad. So he's already kind of on the semi-outs in terms of playing time, and and yeah, that's when yeah. I start to get, start to get worried.
1: He's one I was really nervous about. Like, literally, this is how kind of, I guess, some people might say fun, but sad our our lives can be. Like, I was, you know, picking up dog poop this afternoon and I was just thinking about my fantasy teams. And I'm legit thinking, like, do I drop Adele this week in 12 team leagues? Like, if he's only going to play like two or three days a week, do I drop Adele? Like, is it? But he's the same guy I know that if he figures it out, he's going to make me pay for it for like three months, but that's a lot of time that it might cost me too. So those are the moves that are really tricky. And I've said it time and time again in the off season stuff. One of my biggest kryptonites is knowing exactly when to drop someone and you're going to get a lot of them wrong, but yeah, it'll be a fun fun dilemma Saturday night when I'm doing a lot of my fab inputs to yep. see where, where Joe Adele goes on my teams.
0: I mean, it's funny you mentioned the drops because that is what, what people are – those are the decisions that listeners are faced with. And yeah. you can get absolutely burned by your drops. I mean, Rob, we just talked about Robbie Ray. Robbie yeah. Ray wasn't that great his first two starts last season, and he went on and won the Cy Young. Um, another example is, I mean, no one's dropping Freddie Freeman, you'd be crazy to do that. But Freddie Freeman hit 300 last year, 31 bombs, 83 ribbies, 120 runs scored. Um, do you know what he hit through May last season?
1: Oh, it was brutal, below 200. No, it was low 200s. It was was really bad. Yeah, it was like 233 season, he so. was a great X stats guy, though. He was one of those you could look at going, Okay, okay. it's coming, it's coming. Now, again, I get yelled at a lot because it's like, well, some of those X stats are garbage, blah, blah blah. Like, well, they also can point like paint a pretty picture, too. Like, mm-hmm. let's not be foolish about it. It's like you can use these tools, just don't make them the only tool type thing. But yeah, Freeman's a great example. like Joey Votto just struck out. He's now hitting like a buck 50 to start the season. You're not dropping Joey Votto. Hate to break it to you, but um, there's a lot of panic out there. And I got a few questions here from Eric Samolsky, but I've had a ton of D- DMs this week and just guys in general running to panic. And I'm like, you drafted this guy. Let yep. him play a little bit. Like, that's, let's, yeah. let's chill. Like, you drafted him for a reason. He, he wasn't your 29th round pick. This was a dude you drafted with the intentions of starting on your team. Let's, like, slumps happen. If this was June, no one would care. No one, so gotta think about that.
0: Mookie Betts is hitting two seventeen <laughs> without a homer steal. He was my first round pick in the main. I I'm not worried at all. Like my 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 outlook on Mookie Betts. I'm just calling random guys out yeah. here at this point. But my outlook on Mookie Betts has not changed at all. If Mookie Betts went two seven hit two seventeen on a random week in mid August. Yep. No one would even know about it. Um, so yeah, like I, I totally agree, Bub, especially, yeah, for like your your guys who you drafted in probably the first 15-20 rounds of your team and playing time is not an issue, just let them ride. Do not panic on on the hitters, especially uh for these guys. I mean, it's just it's baseball is a game of variance is a game of slumps some guys are going to slump early some guys are going to slump late we notice the early guys we don't notice the late guys that's just human nature right now so be patient people
1: No doubt not about it and i mentioned eric samolsky with a couple of the guys he wanted to know about the panic meter on them and we kind of hit on earlier akil badu you had him listed here so that's why i want to bring it up yeah. with eric's question how much are you panicking on this though? Because like we have a chance to maybe see him play more again. Robbie Grossman could be back by the time people listen to this show. We'll see. But um, what's your panic meter on Badu?
0: With Badu, the only thing is like I mean, like I said, playing time and and lineup. One of the big draws with Badu was wasn't like a huge power or a huge speed guy, but he had enough power and speed with the plate appearances and racking that up, hitting lead off that it would act over a full season. It would it would do its thing. Um, so I, I am definitely nervous that he's not hitting higher in the order and that um, he's not hitting higher in the order, even after injuries. So uh, definitely worried um, that the issues against lefties worries me as well. Just again, not in terms of performance, but in terms of playing time. So I did list him as someone who, again, you're not you're not dropping or anything at this point. But my panic meter is uh, I don't know. I don't know how high the panic meter goes. We'll, we'll say five zero to five. I'm at. I'm at a four.
1: Yeah, I before the Grossman injury when he was consistently batting like eighth, I was telling yeah. people like if you want to add I was debating Stephen Kwan at one point like certain guys where I know they're going to hit higher in the order and get at bats. I'm like if you're not like desperate for a 12 home run, 15 home run bat and Badoo can do like yeah, go give it a whirl and see what yeah. happens because Badoo was platooning, Badoo was hitting the bottom of the order. Like there were some serious concerns. We'll see where this goes, but it again, it's Batting position, like you said, regular playing time. He's losing out on both, so that's a uh, quite the concern. Uh, Trent Grisham, talk about slow starts. Trent Grisham off to a very rough start in San Diego, but then again, you know, people think a couple years ago how great he was, and he was still very good last year. Just didn't light the world on fire. He still hit two forty two last year with fifteen homers and thirteen steals. So like it was a that's a Trent Grisham season hitting a buck thirty six so far. Um, any concerns with Trent?
0: I did not realize it was that bad. Does yes, not have man. an RBI. Has yep, one no run, run scored. scored.
1: <laughs> not the, yeah. One run scored. Yeah. Nothing.
0: Um, still going to play. I'm not worried, but that is, that is really bad. I obviously don't have Grisham anywhere else. I would probably know this. Uh, I did not realize it was that rough, but it, I mean, same exact thing. Like I just said, it, it, if his spot in the lineup is fine and his playing time is fine, do not uh, freak out about one week. Um, even though it is a a brutal week. Strikeout rate is a little bit up, but nothing too crazy. It's more like a 200 BABIP that is that is doing him in. So that, that'll correct. If you believed in Grisham two weeks ago when you drafted him, you should believe in him now.
1: And then the last one here is Marcus Simeon. He's now, after tonight's game, 3-for-27 on the season with a double and three runs scored. I'm not concerned. Um, I wasn't expecting the MVP candidate, Marcus Simeon, in texas but you're going to get a much better marcus Simeon than this i'd be willing to say
0: you're going to get a lot better marcus Simeon than <laughs> this um so again I, i'm looked i'm looking at marcus Simeon last season he marcus Simeon the week of april 11th 2021 this is just a data point to to reinforce what i'm saying here even in marcus Simeon's godlike season where he hit 45 homers the week of april eleventh, 2021 marcus simeon hit 174 with one run scored two rbis over 23 at bats um those weeks happen even in fantastic seasons he hit 172 in a week in june he hit 174 right after the week after the all-star break he hit 160 the week of september 12th he hit 115 the last full week of the season so Uh, Again, I just picked out five weeks where Marcus Simeon in his career year hit under 200 with not much uh, counting stats. So um, hold strong, be patient.
1: Yeah. Uh, Last question we have here, and I don't know how much you want to answer this being in your main event league and all, but um, Jay Metz asks, out of all the relievers that have next to no ownership right now, who would be your favorite to land above 20 saves by the season's end?
0: (laughs) Jay Mitz, I'm I'm trying to look up where uh, what what place he's in. I, my my main team, I'm in I'm in six. He's in first place. He's top fifty overall in the main. So um, Jeff, I don't know if I should be answering this, but I will. I'm an open book. That's that's part of the job, right? As a, yep, as, we a do. as a fantasy analyst, um, you say you love Native Aldi, and and you go get him in your draft. One <laughs> um, and this is kind of like a blast from the past, but got a the velocity's back. This guy's been a elite closer in the past. He's one injury away from being the closer, already has a save, and that's Brad Hand yeah. on the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, the velocity's again, just two appearances, but when hand was hurt in 2020, or not hurt, but when his velocity was down in 2020, maybe he was hurt. The velocity was at 91.4, and that's back up to ninety-three. Uh, so far into two appearances, he is behind Corey Kniebel, who has injury problems of himself. So he's only one injury away from being a closer on a good team and someone who, despite the recent injury issues, has been a really good closer in the past. So I'll go Brad Hand as someone who could easily get 20 saves by the end of the season and no one is uh, really thinking about right now.
1: I'll give two spec ones. That's all these are. Class A's looked rough early on. The Velo's been a mess. Mm. So something's wrong with him, Brian Shaw could be interesting. Um, I have a lot of Nick Sandlin and DC's as like late picks, but I think Shaw would get the first option there. Um, But the other one I was looking at because we were watching that game before we started recording, Chapman's looked off most of the season already. And I'm not saying like be super concerned, I love Lois uh, – Jonathan Loisega. Uh, I think he's – I think he's almost vi- – like he's like a Jonathan – or a Paul Sewell type anyways. Like, mm-hmm. he's got his viability. But Chad Green would be the one I could say taking a peek at because you could see him slotting in there in the ninth and sneaking away with 20, 20 saves on a Yankee team that should win a handful of ballgames. Like, these are all completely – like, I love the hand call because we've already seen it once. We've seen it in the past. So that makes a ton of sense. Uh, but other than that, like you could say the same thing about Devin Williams, if you really wanted to, but sure. he's probably actually rostered in a lot of leagues, yeah, he's, but, yeah. but I think, I think Chad green would be one I would be willing to take, take a chance with. If, if you really want to get crazy Mitch. if you really want to get crazy, um, one last thing in case, unless you have anything else before this, but I did want to mention, we know Walker Bueller's velocity was kind of a concern in his first start. It wasn't like super, super down, but it was down. Um, well, he uh he was down a bit again tonight, not a ton like 0. 0.6 miles an hour on the fastball, 2.5 miles an hour on the slider. That was a big drop, but uh, again, something to monitor with Bueller. He got the job done, but it wasn't like wasn't great. He gave a two run homer to uh Aristus Aquino before he left the game.
0: That's right. The Punisher took him deep, and I think that he got out of a bases loaded jam early in the outing yep. as well. Uh, Bueller was, it, he was very polarizing. There were some very smart people who, um, do not think Walker Bueller was even worthy of like a top 15, um, uh, starting pitcher. I don't want to put words in, uh, Derek Carty was one who uh, I went back and forth with him on, on Bueller and but someone who's very, very smart and very down on Walker Bueller. He's someone Bueller is someone who has always kind of outpitched his peripherals, Um, really does rely on that fastball though. And so if that velocity is down, I'm, I'm going to be kind of worried as well. So something to track for sure. Obviously with Walker Buehler, you're not, you're not worrying too much just because of the the long leash and how good he's been. But, um, that is, that is noteworthy for sure.
1: Yeah. Just the biggest thing with him, which, which gets me is when you're taking a picture that early, he's not getting the strikeouts. He had 4 Ks, like you, that's kind of why I stayed away. If the velo's down, the strikeouts aren't there. He's got to pitch to get be successful. So yeah, just keep an eye on that, people, and see if anything. I like targeting them in DFS right now. I'm just going to throw that out there. One of these days, a blowup's coming if the velocity stays down. But uh, final thoughts, Ryan. As this is episode four, wrapping up here, our second week of real baseball action. Uh, any final thoughts for the listeners?
0: Uh, Not much. Enjoy the game. Stay, stay patient on the hitter side, be aggressive on the pitcher side and, and kind of, I know we talked about like, you know, specific players, but hopefully you got kind of the takeaways on some of our, like our, our theories and what we're looking at, looking at velocity, but then also taking that extra step and, and looking at why something is happening. If you can spend the time and, and kind of learn what's going on that way, I think you're going to get a step ahead. It does take a little bit of work, but, uh, but that's what we're trying to preach here. So.
1: Yeah, if my brain can figure out how to find things on Savant to the level (laughs) I can, which is not even close to the full extent of the website, then you all can do it, too. Like, I'm not expecting you to make bloom boards. That's way out of my pay grade. But uh, you can figure a lot of things out, trust me. Or just, you know, subscribe to Baseball HQ and some other places. Like, you'll find all the good stuff there as well. But uh, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, You can find Ryan on Twitter at RyanBHQ. I'm on Twitter at BDEntrick. This was Bubba and the Bloom episode 4. We'll be back with you guys next week. Have a good one.